Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 48. So I hope you guys really enjoyed last week's episode. That was my Light of the Jedi book review, the first, in air quotes, adult book in the High Republic era. Uh, it's very, very good in short, but go and check it out. It's spoiler free and it's worth listening to, especially if you're on the fence about collecting it or reading it or listening to, I think there's an audible thing of it. However you want to consume it, you know, go check out the podcast and it gives you a lot of background information on the High Republic, a little bit about the comics and then also of the book itself. So make sure you check that out. But this week, I am tackling more comics in the main run of Star Wars. So the main run of Star Wars comics, obviously, they are 75 issues in total. And this week, I am tackling issues 44 to 49. So it's a six-part arc, also known as Volume 8 of the Star Wars comics. And the tagline is The Mutiny at Mon Cala. Now, the writer for this is Kieran Gillen. The artist is Salvador La Roca. And the color artist is Guru EFX. Now, what's quite interesting about this one is that well, has it got some parallel plot points to Darth Vader issues 13 to 18, which is of the 2017 run by Charles Saul, which I have not yet tackled on this show. But if you have read the Darth Vader comics of the Charles Saul ones, which I highly recommend, Volume 3, The Burning Seas, issues 13 to 18, that actually tackles basically what happened on Mon Cala. 20-ish years before the events of this one, which is quite an interesting sort of take on it and things. And at some point in the future, I will be tackling the second Darth Vader run. It's just at the moment I'm doing, obviously, main run of Star Wars, the Age of series, mini series, and then also the Doctor Aphra series. Uh, so this main run of Star Wars is going to go on for quite a while longer. This has said 75 issues, so there's going to be at least another four episodes, I think. Um, but on top of that, there's also the Doctor Aphra things that are ongoing. But when I've done the Target Vader, comics which I think are the next mini series I'm tackling after that it's going to be probably the Kanan comics because there's a there's a 12 issue I wouldn't even call it a mini series maybe a moderate series uh, it's a 12 issue series of Kanan who is a character from Star Wars Rebels and there's some very interesting parts in that especially about Order 66 so I will be tackling them at some point in the future um, just don't don't worry guys uh, but I just want to flag that up just in case you guys have read those other ones. Uh, It may also be worth checking out the episode I did, number seven, tackling the comic Star Wars Allegiance. That was a four-part miniseries released as a journey to the Rise of Skywalker, and it basically introduces the character of Aftab Akbar, which is Admiral Akbar's son, Um, and it goes into some of the information about that. And the events are set after The Last Jedi, so it goes into sort of more detail and a bit of closure about his death in The Last Jedi. Um, But yeah, so the quintessential things for this is also Star Wars Clone Wars season four, I think it's the first three episodes, is an arc of. And the first episode is called Water War. So it's the first episode of season four. And 
it's all about this city. It's about, well, it's about the planet of Mon Cala and, you know, the Jedi go down there and there's like a big sort of civil war going on between the Quarren and the Mon Calamari. And the Mon Calamari is what Admiral Akbar is species-wise. The Quarren are kind of slightly more squid-like. They have sort of triangular heads and tentacles coming out of their sort of mouth area. But they both live on Mon Cala. And there's a whole civil war episode about that. So they have a civil war in the Clone Wars, which seemingly gets resolved. And there's a character in this that shows up who is called King Lee Char. Now, he's a prince in the Clone Wars. So you actually get to see in Clone Wars Prince Lee Char. Then you get to see in the Darth Vader comics how Mon Cala responded to the Empire. And then you get to see in these comics how the Empire responded to the Rebellion. And then in Allegiance, you get to see how they sort of respond to the First Order and things. So Mon Kala is a place that is quite important in a lot of aspects in the Star Wars canon, but in the films doesn't really get touched upon very much. Obviously, everyone knows Admiral Akbar, it's a trap. You know, everyone knows that, and a lot of people recognize that there is a person of his own species in the Rise of Skywalker, and that is Aftab, his son. So, just quite a few cool little connections here and there that I thought I wanted to point out before we get started. So with this comic, uh, when it was released, so issue 44 was released in March 2018, issue 49 was released in June 2018, and the trade paperback collection was released in August 2018. So without further ado, here is the crawl. Part 1. Mutiny at Mon Cala. It is a period of rebuilding in the galaxy. The Death Star has been destroyed, as has the Imperial Orbital Drill on Jeddah. A spark of hope has emerged among the Rebellion. Recently, Rebel leaders Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker, and Han Solo have been in the search of a new base of operation as they continue to fight against the Galactic Empire's tyrannical reign. New alliances are formed every day. So this set of comics is still set within the first year after A New Hope. The next arc, uh, which I'll go into a little bit at the end here, which starts with issue 50 of Star Wars, that is set one year after the Battle of Yavin. So there's three years between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and then one year between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and this is at the tail end of the first year. So the comic starts with the usual gang, Han, Leia, Luke... Chewie, 3PO, and R2-D2, they're all there on Mon Cala, but they're actually, Mon Cala is primarily a water world, but they're on this sort of landmass that Han says is a protected area. It's basically a, a nature reserve. Um, we have them in England. I'm pretty certain you guys have them in America and across the world, but it's just a protected area that no one really touches, so the wildlife can thrive by itself. So they're there, and they're also there with Akbar as well, waiting for someone. Now, a little bit more information about Akbar. So at the start, I told you about his son, Aftab, his species of Mon Calamari. Akbar's first name is G-I-A-L, which looks like Guile, but I don't know if it's Gil or Gil. I don't know if it's some sort of pun to do with Akbar, but it's G-I-A-L, Guile, I don't know. I'm, I'm only going to call him Akbar or Admiral Akbar, so don't need to worry about that in the future. Um, obviously, I said Akbar dies in Last Jedi, and he was approximately 86 years old when he dies in Last Jedi, which is pretty mental because he was born at some point point before 52 years before the Battle of Yavin. So in the Phantom Menace, which is 32 years before the Battle of Yavin, which is, you know, 32 to 33 years before the events of this comic, Akbar was at least 20 years old at that point. So so he's uh, quite an old dude. He also does appear in that Clone Wars arc that I mentioned in Season 4, Episode 1, Water War, but his first appearance was in Return of the Jedi, where he has that classic line, it's a trap. 
So while the crew are on this reserve waiting for someone, a gentleman named Grand Admiral Ertia appears and he talks to Leia. Now Ertia is another Mon Calamari. However, while Akbar is a sort of reddish gold, well, he kind of looks like a goldfish Akbar. So there's a kind of reddish hue to him, whereas Ertia has a blue hue to him. So Ertia is talking to Leia because Leia is trying to convince the Mon Calamari to join the rebellion because their ships are renowned of being amazing. And a little tidbit here is in The Last Jedi, when Admiral Holdo does the Holdo maneuver and she, you know, goes to light speed and then it fractures and splinters and there's probably one of the coolest scenes in all of Star Wars and it's definitely one of the highlights of the film. And, you know, she does that moment where she goes to light speed and it destroys a lot of the First Order. That is actually in the ship called the Radis, which is named after the Mon Calamari in Rogue One, who dies at the Battle of Scarif. And their ships, specifically the Radis, had some experimental shielding. Um, so Mon Calamari, they have really good shields and really good tech for their stuff because their ships have to be able to survive not only space, but also the pressures of underwater as well because they normally keep their ships hidden underwater and things and then you know fly them out of the water into space and whatnot. So they seem to have certain parts of them are more suited for certain things. And one of the things is their experimental shields. And one of the things that gets flagged up is why didn't loads of people do the holdo maneuver? You know, when you're in a spaceship and it's about to get destroyed, why not jump to light speed at someone? And I think the idea is that probably a lot of people don't think of that. Um, but also, you know, in universe it is that because of the Radis, it being the ship that it was, experimental shields, all sorts of other bits, the chances of that happening again are incredibly, incredibly slim. There's some sort of figure of like a million or some stupid amount to one of that actually happening and succeeding, uh, which is obviously great. It did work. But just for clarity, if people want to know. That's why they don't work, and Mon Calamari ships are, or Mon Cala ships are, really, really good. You'll notice them in the original trilogy. They are the ones that are slightly more rounded. They're kind of, um, it's almost if you get a straight line and you kind of draw little bumps and hills on the top and then the same on the bottom. There's like lots of little circles that kind of connect them together. Whereas, you know, a lot of the other ships, you know, are very pointy or square-like and things. So you, you can see them in the original trilogy. So, as I said, while Eritrea is talking to Leia while she's trying to convince him to join the rebellion, an Imperial scout ship flies past and notices, and then shoots the transport that the gang got onto. Now, Han is complaining a bit that he isn't using the Falcon, but obviously in this scenario, it's good that he didn't have the Falcon, because that would have been destroyed. Han says to the guys, well, I'll go talk to the Imperials, I know what I'm doing. And he goes over there and tries to sort of distract them and things, and they're not really taking the bait fully, so he throws a thermal detonator at them, and then they run away. A lot of the imps get killed, um, imps being Imperials, a lot of them get killed, and but some of them survive, and then the whole gang have to run through this forest, and there's mention of in the forest there's like plants that can eat people, like carnivorous plants and whatnot, and so they're running through the woodland, after some of the shooting and a couple of cool panels, they do get the other side of the woodland, they come out and they get to a boat. Now, when they get there, Leia is still trying to convince Urtia to give the rebels a fleet of Mon Cala ships, basically begging him to join, but... And he says, well, Radis is dead because of your cause. He was one of our best. And Akbar's there as well, trying to, you know, convince Urtia and saying, look, what well, I left the, I left for the rebellion. You know, I should, could inspire people. And Urtia says that more people trust Urtia than are inspired by Akbar joining the rebellion, which is quite an interesting way of looking at things. And so the gang basically leave on this ship. And then I think they eventually get to the Falcon and stuff. And then they go back to where the rebels are currently hiding. And when they're there, Leia contacts Queen Trios because she wants to find some information on how to get a king. And that's where that comic ends. So for Clarity Trios, you should read the 
Darth Vader comics or listen to my episodes on the Darth Vader comics because there's, I think it's the second to last one. So volume three, I think is the show to run. I think it's the show to run war. Uh, that is detailing how uh, Queen Truos met Vader. And then in the, I think it's the last arc. So of the main Star Wars run. So the ones with the Rogue One sequel, I call it, um, which is about four or five weeks ago now, that specifically has them meeting and Trios forming an alliance. So Trios is basically in the Empire, in a sense, because her planet of Shuturon got basically taken with a Vader's fist. And so she's serving Vader, but she's feeding information to the Rebellion to help them out and things. So the next comic starts, you've got Luke, Han and Chewie in a cantina sort of chatting and things. And there's a joke going on that Luke doesn't really drink anything apart from milk. Um, and then someone touches Luke on the shoulder, says, watch your six rookie. Luke force pushes him a little bit. And then he's like, whoa, there, I guess you don't need a wingman anymore. And who is it? It's Wedge Antilles, who's one of the most underrated characters in Star Wars, who is amazing. So they have a nice little catch up and stuff. And while that's happening, Leia is at high command. So she's with the rebellion leaders trying to work out what to do. And also, if you look closely in one of these panels, you actually get to see Hera Syndulla and Zeb from Star Wars Rebels. Or if you've played Star Wars Squadrons, I believe that Hera is in that as well. Uh, she does pop up in a few other things, including the Doctor Afro comics. In fact, she's in the Doctor Afro comics, the arc that I tackled last time. So it would be three weeks ago, I think, uh, where you get to see Doctor Afro interacting with Hera Syndulla, which is quite interesting. So basically, Leia confirms that Utia would not lead a mutiny on Mon Cala, so the best thing to do would be to free the true king, Lee Char. Now, I mentioned, you know, Lee Char, he shows up in the Darth Vader 2017 run, uh, volume 3, issues 13 to 18, and was also in Clone Wars as a Prince, season 4, episodes 1 to 3. They will discuss a few ideas and things, and they essentially speak about they've located the king because Trios provided them with the information of where he is, but to get to him, you'd need a bio-signature to even get through the doors. And the problem is, is that if the moth goes missing at any point, immediately it all get revoked, and then the whole plan will fall flat. So they basically need to find the area, get into the prison, and then also have the bio-signature of the moth without anyone finding out that he is left, while also managing to get in all the other ways as well. They're trying to work out how to do this, and a gentleman called Draven has an idea of how to help. Basically, he says that there's an asset they need to extract from Dex Acquisitions. They're basically going to sell this asset to the Empire and things, and Draven says to go get it. Now, for clarity, Draven may be a name that's uh, familiar to you guys. If you saw how he looked, the artwork in this looks just like the actual actor who plays him he is in rogue one he is actually the one who tells andor to kill galen urso he also he appears in this some other star wars comics a little bit as well he kind of pops up here and there he's probably going to be in the cassian andor series that's coming out on disney plus at some point you know the prequel series to rogue one basically but with him he he's quite a harsh commander i'd say you know he's not he's willing to take you know the greater good approach to kill someone to save you know loads of more people and things and that's what he tries to get uh, cassian to do in rogue one and he's also the one that basically puts forward the bombing of uh, edu which obviously is the thing that kills galen Erso in the end when cassian chooses not to shoot him so he's a character he appears there and there he's quite important but if you can't remember him no biggie he cuts back to Luke in the cantina with the gang, and there's a couple of pilots that meet him. There's one called Hobby and one called Zev, and they meet Luke. Hobby is a big fan, and he mentions that Hera Syndulla has actually been training them, which is shown in the Afro comic. You get to see Hera training some people. 
Now, I had to look this up because I recognized the name Hobby, and I was like, I'm sure he's shown up somewhere before, and I was right. Um, so, Hobby's real name is actually Derek Clivian, and he's in Star Wars Rebels, and he actually defects with Wedge Antilles. There's a, an episode of Star Wars Rebels where there's sort of... Um, Sabine Wren breaks into an Imperial Academy and tries to recruit some defectors and she manages to recruit Hobby as well as Wedge. And also Hobby is in Empire Strikes Back. He is actually one of the people who crashes his snowspeeder into the AT-80s. So on Hoth and Empire Strikes Back, the cold ice planet, the walkers, as they're called, the big scary walker things, were well, shooting out when well, they're trying to wrap up their legs and things with the snowspeeders. Hobby actually crashes his snowspeeder into an AT-80. I believe he crashes into the sort of bridge of it, the sort of head area, and manages to take one of those things out when his ship is damaged. And then Zev, his surname is Sineska, and he is actually the one who found Han and Luke in Empire Strikes Back. So when you have it so that when Han goes out to find Luke and then, you know, he finds Luke, but he's basically passing out. He has to cope in a tauntaun and leave Luke in there. When that happens in the morning, when they're kind of waving about and there's some snowspeeders flying about trying to locate them, the guy who finds them is Zev Sineska, which is quite cool. I will unfortunately say he also dies in Empire Strikes Back because that film has a lot of death in it. Um, But silver lining, they don't pop up in, in this comic anymore, so you don't have to feel too sad about it. And the conversation in the cantina sort of goes here, there and everywhere. I'm not going to get into all the details. But at one point, Luke recalls the dead wingmen from A New Hope. So he mentions, he just lists loads of names and things, including Porkins. But he also mentions Biggs. And obviously, Biggs Darklighter is one of Luke's best friends, especially when he's on Tatooine. And it just shows he's quite somber about it. And Han's like, come on, cheer up. We need to get over this. And then Leia appears and says, we've got the mission. So it cuts to where the Dex Acquisitions Depot is on a planet called Mayor Ain, which I couldn't find anywhere else in the canon. And they're basically these kidnappers. They're on the ship and things, and they get a contact from someone called Violent Bok. And apparently this Violent Bok Wookiee bounty hunter has caught Leia. And they're like, that can't be right. They haven't got Princess Leia. And then they see a video of uh, a Wookiee arm pushing Leia and her saying, let go of me, you hairy brute. The kidnappers are like, okay, cool, let's open up our ship, turn off the security and things, and let them come in. Then, it turns out, if you guys couldn't tell, Violet Bok is chewy. Um, so they go in there, and they basically manage to kill or incapacitate all of the kidnappers and things. And there's a funny little comment from Chewie to Leia, and Leia's like, no, I think Violet Bok was a very good name. I don't know what they're talking about, because the kidnappers mock the name Violet Bok. <laughs> I just think it's so cute that Chewie thinks of this name that he thinks is really badass and cool. And then some kidnappers are like, that's a lame name. And Leia has to be like, don't worry, Chewie, it's okay. That's a really good name. It's like, he's like, a, at this point, he's like, what, 100? No, he's, he's, I think he's about 200 odd years old at this point. So it's just like, he's older than all of the people put together. <laughs> he still needs the sort of childlike gratification. And it's just, I love it. I love Chewie, he's the best. So anyway, they manage to incapacitate all these kidnappers and things. They manage to break in and whatnot, and they get to the cell of where the asset is. They open the door, and Bail Organa is there. So Bail Organa is Leia's dad. And Leia walks straight up to Bail Organa and punches him square in the face, yelling, My father is dead. If you try any of your mind games again, Tunga, I'll make sure that you live long enough to regret it. And then the last sort of page just shows this Claudite on the floor saying, you can't blame a shape changer for having a little bit of fun. And Leia says, I can, I do. Welcome to the rebellion. Shoots him with a stun gun and then Chewie picks him up and they head off. So for clarity, basically, yeah, there's a shapeshifter. Um, And Claudite 
That isn't a name that is used very frequently, but it is common enough in Star Wars. And the most famous Claudite, I would say, is Zam Wessel. Now, in Attack of the Clones, episode two, they're trying to kill Padme and, you know, there's Palpatine appoints Dooku. And I think Dooku gets Jango to do it and then Jango gets Zam to do it. It's a very weird level of command, especially because bounty hunters, to my knowledge, don't really pass on many jobs and things. But still, Zam Wessel, she is a shapeshifter. And she's the one who she looks like a normal human. Obi-Wan and Anakin chase her. Obi-Wan and Anakin chase her. They fly through sort of Coruscant and things. And then eventually she crashes. And then they chase her into a bar and whatnot. And then they get her outside. They're trying to ask her who she works for. And then Jango shoots a poison dart and it kills her. When she is killed, and also in certain scenes of the chase when she looks behind, her face changes into the Claudite uh, again, which is, you know, green skinned, uh, quite gaunt cheeks, big yellow eyes, quite like cat eyes or snake eyes, you know, with the, the pupil is more of a line than an actual circle. So that's what a Claudite looks like. And they're just shapeshifters in Star Wars. And they're quite sought after. And the reason that Leia says Tunga is because Tunga is his name. I'm also very happy because when I read this the first time round, back, you know, in 2018, because I've got the individual collected issues, I'm so glad they did not end it with her opening the door and seeing Bail Organa there, because that would have been such a cop-out cliffhanger. I'm, I'm really glad they just did it for like a page. I'm like, well, and then, you know, afterwards, they're like, clearly not, rather than you making people wait a month, because it's just like, there's no way, you know. And just for clarity, guys, Bail Organa 100% died on Alderaan. He was there with his wife, Brea Organa, and in the book, Certain Point of View, there is a story from their point of view being on Alderaan and then seeing the blast from the Death Star come by, and obviously then you get a few seconds, but it's quite a beautiful story and very sad. So if you want to read something that's quite sad, read that certain point of view story. So the next issue, number 46, it starts with Leia confirming that Tunga is a Claudite with a reputation and mentions quite a few things that he's kind of vaguely famous for doing. And then it shows on Mon Cala, there is an opera playing at the Mon Cala Drome. So the plan is the gang need to get Moff, who is called Tan Nubi. For clarity, Moff is his rank. Um, they need to get the Moff Tan Nubi for his biomarkers. So the idea is that Tunga is going to impersonate him and be at the opera. And I think the opera is like five hours long or something. So he has to basically just sit there quietly looking like Moff watching this uh, Mon Cala opera. And Han and Chewie wait in the bathroom and Luke hides in there as well wearing Stormtrooper gear. And there's a couple of jokes about Luke being short, which is quite fun too. So Luke in Stormtrooper gear is stopping any people going in the bathroom saying, you know, oh, it's only for the Empire. And then an Imperial shows up and then he says, oh, it's only for officers. And then an officer shows up and then he says, oh, it's only for moths. And then another moth shows up and he's like, uh, <laughs> and then just lets her in. And then she kind of goes in and she's looking at Han and Chewie and like, why, why is there a Wookiee in the bathroom? And then he basically, I really like it. Han plays it off like drawing your hands on a Wookiee is like this new cool thing. It's almost like subtly saying it's a hipster thing of just drawing your hands on a Wookiee and she after she does it she's like oh that was actually quite nice and leaves and it's just like could you imagine anything cooler than going well, I mean I'm not really a fan of opera I must say but could you imagine anything cooler than going to like a show and then having a Wookiee in the bathroom and you just dry your hands on the fur that's just that's hilarious I love that so while that's all going on R2D2 gets the moths drink he has this really specific favorite drink so they get him that and it's drugged so they take it to him and he is sat next to queen trios he drinks it and then after a few minutes he starts to sweat and feel a bit weird and then says excuse me and then he runs to the toilet he gets in there and things the door gets locked and then han and Chewie just take him out and pull him out of a vent which is how they got in there initially tunga then becomes um tan newbie and goes over to where trios is while that's happening leia leaves c-3po in charge and he's like 
oh my god really are you really leaving me in charge and Leia's like yes I am please <laughs> just do do a good job and as that happens the rebels head to Strokill Prime which is where the King Lee Char is held then using Tan's biomarker as well as codes they got from Trios, they managed to get onto the planet through the blockade and that sort of thing. They then submerge and come into contact with this giant looking anglerfish thing, which you would have seen in The Phantom Menace. So the name of this giant fish thing is OPC Killer, that's the species, but the Gungans refer to them as Gooberfish. And they can grow to about 20 meters long. They show up as, you know, in Phantom Menace, that's where you would have all seen them and things. And then in, there's a Star Wars Adventures comic, and one of them appears there as well, but I haven't, I haven't read that myself. So yeah, Gooberfish or OPC Killer, a 20 meter long giant anglerfish looking thing that has terrifying teeth and is chasing them. And that's where comic number 46 ends. So we are at the halfway mark now, so let's move on to number 47. So Tunga is disguised as Tan Nubi. He, as I said, he arrives and he sits next to Trios. And then C-3PO sort of stands behind him and translates the Mon Cala opera for him. Which has one little plot hole. I'm like, does the Moff not speak Mon Calamari? I mean, if he doesn't, then that's fine. But would he not have his own translator droid? Maybe they swap the droids out. I don't know. But it just seems a bit odd that, you know, being... If, if you're like the representative of a certain country or culture, you would have assumed that if they've been there for a little while, they would have learned the language. But then Imperials are, you know, quite up themselves. So maybe not. He goes to the gang who are being chased by the OPC killer. And they're chasing the lights on the sort of submarine they've got thing. And so Luke puts on a scuba suit and he f swims out there with his lightsaber and he ignites it and then is getting chased by this absolutely colossal fish thing. Chewie then manages to grab Luke and he turns his lightsaber off when they get a certain distance away and then they just go back to the sub and the Goober fish seems to have been distracted sufficiently and is gone. Then they, as they're on the submarine or whatever you want to call it, ship, um, they then approach the prison. Meanwhile at the opera there's an intermission halfway through the show and Tunga then speaks to many different people and it's just quite a fun little comic where he sort of talks to someone and then 3PO whispers something in his ear and he says something else and these sort of things. I'm not going to read them out because it doesn't add anything to the plot but it's a bit of fun. He then eats crisped inferno weed and says it's nice and Urchia comments to Trios going that's a bit strange because you know when I last gave it to Moff he literally spat it out. So there's a little bit of suspicion there. Then Tunga, Trios and Urtia return for the second act of the opera and as that happens the rebels dock at the prison using the Moff's face as a security pass. And I quite like it because they literally say, <laughs> Leia's like, pass the security pass Chewie and he just has Moff by the head and just pushes his head into this like little square screen thing and then pulls it apart and the Moff says something like, oh this is embarrassing. <laughs> So the rebels then get into the ship and they stun quite a few troopers and things while Chewie is carrying them off. It's primarily droids on that base because obviously, you know, trying to get through the blockade and getting all the clearance codes, then landing on a planet that is basically completely water, then getting through the planet's natural defenses, which are things like the OPC killer, then getting into the base again and getting through the stormtroopers. The Empire obviously think not a lot of people are going to be coming here, so there's not that much security. Um, which is fair, that's a, you know, I wouldn't say that's a plot hole at all, I'd say that, that does make sense. And so because there's lots of droids and things, they just kind of have to wait at certain times and get through and whatnot. And they get to the room that has Lee Char in it, and the comic ends with showing how he looks, and he is on life support machines, and there are lots and lots of wires connecting into him, and he's also got a breather mask thing on, and that's where comic 47 ends. 
So on to issue number 48. And this one starts with the opera at the Moncala. And the show has just ended. So C-3PO tells Tunga that he needs to do something. And Tunga's trying to figure it out. And then C-3PO whispers something in his ear. And he's like, of course. And so as the moth, he decides to distract everyone and sort of filibuster in a way by reciting a three-hour-long grand romance play. So he does that with C-3PO, which is fairly amusing. And while all this is going on, Leia is speaking to uh, King Lee Char, you know, attached to all those life support things. And they clearly can't get him out and rally the troops, but they decide they're going to record him. So Han and Luke manage to find this recording camera, um, where it's a droid, it's a recording camera droid. And while that's happening and people aren't paying full attention to him, the real moth is in that room with them and things. And he presses like a silent alarm button around the side that people don't notice. And it shows that the Imperials of the prison see that he pressed the button. And we're like, wait a minute, well, if the moth pressed the secret alarm button, maybe the moth down at Moncala, oh God, we need to go check it. So then back on Moncala, the recital gets stopped and the Imperials starts like shoot out and things. And there's a Mon Calamari who's controlling the lights. And he says, oh, terrible time for a blackout. And then he turns the lights off, obviously clearly seeing something's going on and trying to get the heroes to escape. So Tunga, 3PO and R2-D2 manage to basically run away. And while that's happening, Lee Char is thanking Leia and speaking to her. And then Imperials get into the room that they're in and just shoot up the whole place. And in the fire, most of the heroes manage to sort of dive to the floor or get out of the way. But Lee Char gets decimated by all these blaster bolts. Just as they leave the room and scrambling away from the stormtrooper shooting at them, Leia grabs the recording and they all sort of, as said, they kind of escape. Meanwhile, Tunga and the droids, they hide in like a dressing room and he changes his appearance to look like a Mon Calamari. And he wears like some garbs and things because they're in, there was obviously a big opera play thing going on. So he managed to get some of the uh, wardrobe from that. He disguises the droids and they escape. They manage to leave in the ship that they came in. And then Ertia gets his guards and says, you know, get my guards, we'll go get them essentially. Then while that's happening, the gang are back on Stroke Hill Prime in the prison, they manage to escape. There's a bit of shooting, you know, between the stormtroopers and whatnot, but they do manage to eventually escape. And then they meet Tunga and the droids in a cave on the surface. I believe it's basically at that nature reserve place they're at before. So while they're there, um, they're trying to figure out what the next plan of action is. Urchia shows up with his guards. Now, the guards actually look quite cool. There's, they look a little bit like, um, if anyone's seen the Alien movies, which I really recommend because they're great, um, the, it makes me think of the sort of the mech suit that Sigourney Weaver wears at the end of Aliens, where she's, it kind of looks like that, except it's, it's made out of like crustaceans and things and like hard shells. It just looks quite cool. I, I just quite admire that. And, Urchia basically demands to have the recording. Leia says no, so he shoot, he stuns her. And then Han and Luke, they give up. Well, Luke is about to fight and Han's like, look, just this is one of those moments we need to walk away. We lost. So they get Leia and, you know, Chewie and the droids and things and Tunga and they get on the Falcon and they leave. And Urtia says he wants to have some privacy. So he goes to his chambers and things all by himself. He's underwater and all that sort of stuff. He then sends the recording to all Mon Cala ships across all of Moncala and things. And I just want to read out um, what it is because the recording is of King Lee Char and I think it's quite cool and it's not too long. So I'm just going to read that out for you guys. So the message goes out from the Regent in the Priority Channel and it says to signal to the ships and things. So all of the Moncala ships send it to basically every available viewing screen within those own ships. So now I'm going to quote what Lee Char says. I am Lee Char of Moncala and I am dying, but we are all dying. The question becomes, how do we wish to live with the time we have? What kind of life do we wish to leave for those who follow us? I have been an absent king, and I am ashamed. 
I wish I could have been with you through this imperial hell. I was with you in my heart. I have never forgotten you. The fleet is Mon Cala's pride. Mon Cala knows the Empire's evil. Their atrocities are burned on our flesh. We know what wrongs they have done, but we can only guess at the horrors they will do next. If we are with them when they do so, all our pride will curdle to shame. It cannot be so. Goodbye, my people. And then just before the recording cuts out, you see the Imperials go in and shoot up the body of Lee Char. And while all these things are happening, some Imperials see some Mon Calamari, you know, looking in these holograms and seeing their king. The Imperial officer that's there is like, I'm warning you. And then the Mon Calamari just swarm them. And then this comic ends with, you know, the usual gang in the Millennium Falcon thinking, oh, this is all for nothing. And then Chewie makes a noise and hands up what? And he picks up his little headset thing and says that Urtia must have broadcast the message. And Leia's like, well, the timing's all wrong. They're doing it with no preparation and no support. You know what happens next? The Empire sends its fleet. And that's where that comic ends. So we are now on to the final comic. So a big space battle begins between the Mon Calamari and the Imperial fleet, and Urtia calls Rebels as a backup, because Leia and the Millennium Falcon and things, they can't actually call it because their comms are being jammed by their Star Destroyers, but the comms on Mon Cala are strong enough they can't be jammed by a ship, so they call for the Rebels as backup. So then, Admiral Akbar arrives with the Rebellion fleet, and Leia and Luke are in the Falcon shooting at things while Han and Chewie are flying it, and then they're getting tailed by something, and or by a TIE fighter, and then Wedge shoots the TIE fighter, tailing the Falcon. Anytime Wedge is in it, it just makes me happy. So while this is all going on, um, Akbar has a plan, and he asks to be put through to a ship called the Aurora Flare. He speaks to Captain Leela aboard, and you know they have some niceties, saying it's an honour to serve. And Akbar says, "I can only ask you to volunteer. This is far from certain. You may die for nothing." And Leela says, "I volunteered when I clubbed a stormtrooper to death with his own helmet, sir. What do you need us to do?" And Akbar says, "You honour me. I wish there were the time to know one another, Leela. This is what you must do." Then the Mon Calamari ship ejects escape pods, and the ship itself heads towards the Star Destroyer. The Imperial officer on the Star Destroyer orders the um, TIE Fighters to shoot the escape pods first, and as the TIE Fighters go to do that, the Millennium Falcon lines up very nicely and manages to destroy all of the TIE Fighters, saving the escape pods. Tunga is surprised that the Imperials were going straight for the escape pods, and he's like, wow, they go for the escape pods, really? And Han is like, yeah, you'll find that working as a rebel really gives you a different perspective. Turns out the Empire are not the nice guys, because obviously, you know, shooting defenseless escape pods of a ship is pretty horrendous. So then the Mon Cala ship is getting closer and closer to the Star Destroyer, and the Imperial officer on board is questioning what exactly was on this ship before the mutiny happened. And he's told by his colleague that the ship was full of coaxium, and he's like, well, wait, stop shooting at it. And before he can finish his sentence, the ship explodes. So the ship explodes, and it leaves, it basically destroys the majority of this Imperial Star Destroyer. It's got this big hole in it now, and assuming that most of the crew on there are dead. And it confirms all of the rebels like, well, the blockade's been breached, quick. And they all make the jump to hyperspace and escape. I just want to clarify as well, coaxium, that was in Solo, a Star Wars story. It's just hyperspace fuel, basically. And it's very, obviously, very explosive. Then it's got this nice panel of Urtia. He's down on Mon Cala, and he says to his aquatic droid, it's kind of like a C-3PO, but if it was kind of Mon Cala Mari, in a way. And he says, like, you can leave. And the droid says, no, sir, you've been good to me, I'll stay. And then the remaining Imperial ships do a barrage onto Mon Cala, and you see this big laser beam hit exactly where Urtia was and explode, so he, he's gone. 
It then cuts to the rebellion. Um, they the Millennium Falcon drops off Tunga to the Cosmotanic Steps, which you actually see in the last arc of the Vader comics that I tackled a while ago, and in the first few Doctor Afro comics too. And he walks away saying, "Oh, I can't wait to tell people the story, the mutiny on Mon Cala, and things." Which is quite funny, although he yells out the mutiny on Mon Cala, but the collection of these is the mutiny at Mon Cala. I presume that was intentional, but still. And then the last few pages of the comic is basically, it says months later on Makota, which is where the temporary uh, rebel base is currently at. And Leia is speaking with Trios and they're talking about, you know, how well they've done and how Leia couldn't have done it without Trios. And Trios is really, you know, great to see that Leia is happy about all this sort of stuff. And there's going to be a launch party in 30 minutes. So Leia says, well, meet you down there and stuff. And then Trios by herself, she goes to a terminal, puts an identification code and then contacts Darth Vader and says they're here they expect nothing and that is where that comic ends and that is where that arc ends so the next issue which will be issue which i'll tackle in several weeks time just so you know what the name of that arc is called it's called hope dies and it's it's a pretty intense uh, arc from what i can remember of it so yeah look forward to that so yeah guys that is the end of this episode relatively um the only other things to add on this um next week is going to be probably the darth vader target vader comics so essentially it's a mini series i think there's six issues and it's target vader and it's when some bounty hunters get hired to take out Darth Vader. Um, one of the bounty hunters is Baylert Valant. He was first shown in canon in the Han Solo Imperial Cadet comics, which I think I tackled on like episode 10 or something. And he is the main protagonist of the Bounty Hunters series, which is ongoing at the moment. And Boba Fett's been in it, and there's going to be this big old crossover with like, all of the running comics at the moment, and with an issue that Charles Saul has written. So I'm quite excited about that. I haven't decided how soon I'm going to jump into the ongoing series, because you know there's the High Republic ones the Bounty Hunter ones the second batch of Aphra ones the third batch of Darth Vader ones and the second batch of Star Wars ones as well as you know Bounty Hunters and things so I'll see about that obviously once I finish this Target Vader one I'll only have the miniseries the Kanan miniseries to tackle but that is 12 issues so I'll probably do that in two batches Uh, and aside from that I've got two more issues of or two more editions of the age of series to do which is going to be the age of resistance and villains and heroes so really in like two months time i'll have done every mini series in the marvel comic canon as well as all of the age of comics as well and then once i've done that i'll obviously have the main run of star wars comics still going and the main run of dr afro comics going And then what I'm probably going to do is have the Darth Vader second run of comics. I'll probably start that up because that is an absolutely incredible comic run. It's probably my favorite run of all Star Wars comics. I'm very, very excited to get into those. And that is 25 issues. So, I mean, I know the last arc is like seven issues. So I think it's probably going to be four or five maybe arcs within that so that'll be four or five months of things and then hopefully by that sort of point i will have caught up with the main run of star wars and the dr afro comics too and then after that i'll be a bit more free with what i can do so i'll be able to do some of the more new comics and things i'll be able to tackle some of the other ongoing series like the poe dameron series which i have not yet actually touched and You know, then I can, as I said, embark on some of the newer things, you know, the High Republic comics, the uh, Dr. Aphra, Bounty Hunters, all those sorts of other things. So if you guys let me know if you've got any recommendations of what you want me to tackle sort of going forward uh, in the canon, 
I am at some point going to tackle the Tales from Vader's Castle comics as well. They're with IDW instead of Marvel, but they're still canon and things. They're just aimed at a generally a younger audience. But Kevin Scott has written those, so that's quite exciting. In addition to that, for Star Wars stuff, I have got some very exciting things planned. On this coming Sunday, so the day after this has been released, I am chatting with a gentleman who is in The Mandalorian, so I'm quite excited to speak with him. I will say, it's not Pedro Pascal, I'm afraid. It's no one quite that big, but they're a really, really cool person. They're very interesting, and I've heard them on a couple of other podcasts, and they're just a really interesting individual. I'm having them with another friend of mine on there. Um, I'll probably be releasing that on this show i haven't fully decided because i've got that one i've then got two star wars youtubers that i'm hoping to speak with um and then i've also got another star wars con like author that i'm hoping to speak with in sort of may time i think and then i've also got a gentleman who was involved with he created the puppet of salicious crumb which is the weird little coaxian monkey lizard in jabba's palace in episode six that cackles a lot um so there's a lot of people involved with Star Wars that I'm going to be speaking with. I would probably say the Salicious Crumb one won't be quite as Star Wars-centric as the other ones because he's done a lot of other stuff. So that'll probably be on Genuine Chit Chat. But the other ones I will be releasing on this feed. I haven't fully decided if they'll be as well as normal episodes or instead of. I might be cheeky into instead of because it just saves me a lot of time then having to do you know the Genuine Chit Chat podcast and the Star Wars podcast and Patreon and stuff. But also, guys, for number 50, for episode 50, which is only in two weeks' time, I think, or, you know, if I release the episode that I'm doing with the gentleman on Sunday, I'm going to have to make sure it gets released at the same time I release it on Genuine Chit Chat. So whenever I figure out these things, because I've got quite a few things coming up, I may or may not do episode 50. This is the thing, I'm getting a bit mixed up. So the next week's one is going to be Target Vader, that's definite. Then the week after that will probably be episode 50. Now, for episode 50, I am going to be doing another Q&A episode. Um, I haven't decided if Megan's going to join me or not. I think probably not, but we'll see what kind of questions we get. But um, I'll write on Twitter and Instagram and lots of the other sort of places I have social media. But if you want to start getting your questions in, please email me or contact me on any of the usual social media places at Genuine Chit Chat. Send me questions to do with Star Wars. They can either be what is my favorite blank or do I recommend blank or they can be actual questions questions like why is blah 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 not blah 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 why is this thing in that where can i find every single comic that mentions darth vader like all of these sorts of questions please send them my way as i said i'm going to reach out on social media and whatnot but you can contact me directly by direct message or you can email me at star wars comics in canon at outlook.com and send in the Star Wars questions and I'll read them out on the show. Uh, please tell me if you want me to read out. If you do on social media, I will read out your Twitter handle um, or your name, whichever you'd prefer. Um, and if you message them to me via email, please tell me how you'd want me to address you because I don't want to read out your email on you know, on the podcast because it's not really, it's quite a private thing for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be doing a Q&A episode uh, for episode 50. Next week's going to be Target Vader. And then in the next couple months, there's going to be several podcasts I'm going to be releasing on this, which are going to be interviews with people involved with Star Wars in some way. So I'm very, very excited about that. It's exciting time for the future. And I'm also going to plug in, check out my other show, Genuine Chit Chat, where I have, you know, conversations with many of the people in the Comics and Motion family. Uh, you can now listen to Star Wars Comics and Canon on YouTube as well well as on uh, the feed of Comics in Motion on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts and all those places. At YouTube, you get to see the artwork. That's basically the only difference. And as of recording this, I'm about four episodes behind, I think, on YouTube. So in the next week or two, I should be completely caught up. And then every Saturday, I'll be releasing new episodes on there at the same time that I release this one that you're potentially listening to on Spotify and things. So 
the genuine chit chat, YouTube, and the other things, my Patreon. I do Star Wars comics and canon completely for free. And I also do genuine chit chat completely for free. And I understand that, you know, a lot of people who listen to this content don't want to pay for things. That's completely fine. I'm not going to put up a paywall or anything like that. But obviously buying every Star Wars comic and, you know, spending several hours reading them, doing notes and research and all these sorts of other things, it takes a lot of time. And I've currently got four Patreons um, or four patrons who have been supporting me. And I'm incredibly thankful to each and every one of them. They mean the world to me. If you do want to go to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat uh, you can check out the various tiers i've got but for clarity if you pay as little as two pound or three dollars a month you get access to the podcast feed which will have all episodes of genuine chit chat that are in two parts i then put them together in one part so you basically get access to part two a week early and you get them unsplit so you don't have to wait in things in addition i will occasionally upload episodes early on there the Light of the Jedi book review that I did last week, I released that on my Patreon feed, I think it was a day or two early, just because I managed to finish editing it and stuff earlier. And also, there's a new show on there called Afterthoughts that I do with my girlfriend Megan. I'm aiming to release two episodes a week, and essentially, at the moment, we're doing a Star Wars rewatch and watching various other things. So if you go on there right now, you don't have to make an account, you don't have to pay anything. There are already two free Afterthoughts things on there. So one of them is Star Wars The Phantom Menace, and I think that's about 20 minutes long, and the other one is The Witcher Series 1, and that's about 10 minutes long. So we, we just talk about our thoughts on them. Me and Megan do not always agree. We have... You you know, Megan generally doesn't like things as much as I do, um, but there's certain things that I definitely don't like as much as she does. Um, some of the other things I've released on there has been the director's cut of the Watchmen film. I've done, we've done WandaVision, spoiler free. We've done, we've recently watched a documentary called Murder Among the Mormons. That's going to be on there. I just put up How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days because me and Megan watched that. So that's a bit of fun too. We've got the Spider-Man film set up to go. We're doing, as I said, a whole rewatch of the Star Wars films. I think I've done, I've uploaded Revenge of the Sith. I have yet to upload Solo. So at the moment, I'm trying to release one Star Wars Afterthoughts a week as well as one other film a week. So you're getting, each week, you're getting approximately half an hour or so of, 20 minutes to half an hour of extra content. So that means that really you're getting about two-ish hours of additional content for about £2 um, a month or $3. And you're supporting the show, which means the absolute world to me. Because at the moment, it costs me money to do this show and Genuine Chit Chat for podcast hosting, for Genuine Chit Chat, having Zoom meetings and things, and obviously paying for these Star Wars comics because I like to have them physically. So there's a lot of different things there which... Obviously, I do them for free. It's a passion project, and I don't want to force anyone to pay me for them. But if you feel like you enjoy the show, if you feel like it's reinvigorated your love of Star Wars, and it's a really good guide to comics, and you don't want to pay for Patreon and extra content, that is completely fine. But another way you can support the show is by reviewing Comics in Motion on iTunes, or reviewing genuine chit chat on itunes that helps as well um but also sharing on social media that's the big thing if you use social media and you have friends or family or anything whether you share it on your feed and things so everyone you know can see it or if you send it to individual people this is a show that i just love doing and i want more and more people to consume it because i've had so many of you reach out to me and say you know i love the show it's reignited my love of star wars oh i didn't know how to get into the comics but listening to your show it's a really good guide and things that means the world to me so reaching out to me telling you how telling me how good of a job i'm doing and give me a nice little pat on the head that means the world to me sharing on social media telling your friends and family about that that means the world to me as does uh, reviewing on itunes and things like that 
Make sure you check out all the other shows on Comics in Motion because they are all absolutely fantastic and I listen to all of them before I listen to almost any other podcast um, because they're just that good. And I just want to say thank you so much, guys, for any of you who are Patreons or if you're just standard listeners of the show. It still means the absolute world to me. So I want to say thank you so much, guys. And also, I forgot to mention that I appeared on the 20th Century Geek podcast recently, so go I've included a link to that in the description. Go check that out where I talk about Desert Island comics. I choose three comics that I would take with me to a Desert Island, and they're all Star Wars comics. Two are Darth Vader comics I have not yet tackled on this show, and one is a C-3PO comic that I tackled in episode, like, four, I think, or something like that, really early on. So get to have a a redo of the 3PO comic and an in-depth look in that, as well as look into two of the Darth Vader comics that, for me, make the series so good. So check out 20th Century Geek. He's like a family. He's part of the Comics Emotion family, even if his show isn't on the feed itself. Uh, but we're all family. We're all a tribe. We're all doing crazy things. And there's just loads of great content around for all of us. So as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. And may the Force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.